Welcome to Coogan Knows the Law, where we untangle the knots of complicated legal questions and break down legalese into plain English. I'm attorney Jim Coogan. Today's question is, what is a deposition? So it's a great question because it's not a commonly used phrase. And for the most part, television shows that discuss the law focus on trials, focus on criminal cases. We're going to break that down into four basic components that they happen in civil cases. The testimony in depositions is under oath. We're going to talk about who asks the questions at depositions, and then we're going to put them in context and talk about how they're used in civil cases. But first, this show is brought to you by the law firm of Coogan Gallagher, where you can find representation by one of our attorneys involved in a civil case. If you have questions about a civil case, if you have questions about a deposition, if you think that now that you've heard about this concept, that you want to discuss it more with us, please reach out. You can find us at cgtrial.com. You can call us at 312-782-7482. What is a deposition? A whole lot of law is made and a whole lot of facts are found and a whole lot of important information and testimony happens in depositions. So while you can have some limited circumstances where there's outside of court testimony in criminal cases, the vast majority of this happens in civil cases. That's our first part of the answer here. In federal court, in state courts across the country, if there's a civil lawsuit, part of the discovery process, part of the fact-finding process, where the parties exchange information, where One party asks questions, the other party answers those questions, and so on, involves testimony from witnesses because it's important to find out what are those witnesses going to say before you get to a trial. One of the purposes for all this is because the parties don't necessarily know how strong the answers will be. The defendants in a case don't necessarily know how an injured plaintiff is going to describe how their life has changed, what their injuries are, describe the medical treatment they've gone through. They can have some general idea, but that's never the same thing as what the person actually says. So this gives the parties the opportunity to have a general understanding, and actually more than that, a specific understanding of what the other side's got in terms of information. Really forces them to turn over some of their cards, so to speak. And another key distinction, because they are civil cases, the parties cannot avoid testifying. Most people have heard of the Fifth Amendment protections against self-incrimination, That's where the Fifth Amendment in the United States Constitution, it's an amendment to the Constitution, and state constitutions protect people from testifying against their own interests in criminal cases because it's a keystone of having rights where the government can't just force you to talk. So now you're forced to either admit what you did or you might end up lying about what it was and I've committed some other crime. But in civil cases, everyone testifies. There are limited circumstances where somebody might be criminally prosecuted for something related to that case, and they might invoke the Fifth Amendment. In fact, in the news, it's been widely reported that former President Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment rights when testifying in civil cases that have happened since he left the office of the presidency. Because that protection still exists, but he can still be compelled to come to that deposition. Now, you can get into a deeper discussion about whether that's a valid assertment of Fifth Amendment rights and whether or not that's really germane to whatever that question was. Eyewitnesses, people who are part of a civil case, who know information, are brought in, and then they're allowed to testify, and they're asked to testify under the rules in order to give information and get to the bottom of what do people know and what really happened. 
Which brings us to the second part of our explanation. The testimony is under oath. This is critical because this gives the lawyers and the parties to the case the opportunity to rely on what the person said, that it's really their testimony, that they have sworn to it. And for example, if they change their testimony somewhere down the road, if they're testifying at trial and now it's inconsistent with what they said in a deposition, that gives that lawyer an opportunity to show the jury that this person previously said just the opposite. Now they're changing their story. It could be for a lot of different reasons, but it gives you the chance to demonstrate that suddenly this person, this witness is saying something that's convenient for them and possibly not the truth. Not only that, but the last time they were testifying and they were under oath, they were saying just the opposite. So the fact that the testimony is under oath is a very serious part of these depositions. One other key factor here is that these depositions are happening outside of court. There are exceptions where the parties might go to court, but for the vast majority of them, they're happening outside of court. They happen in conference rooms, and much more commonly these days, after the pandemic happened, they happen on Zoom, which actually makes things quite a bit more convenient, not just for the witness who doesn't have to travel to a lawyer's office somewhere, but for the attorneys, because they don't necessarily have to travel to meet a witness. And the deposition begins at a certain time, and when it's done, you're not traveling somewhere else afterwards. So it offers a great deal more flexibility and convenience for everybody involved. But the fact that they're happening outside of court means a judge is not presiding directly over these proceedings. It's happening between a group of attorneys. There's a court reporter taking down everything. They are notaries. They're charged with taking things down accurately. That's their obligation under the rules and under the law. And they are specially trained. They're supposed to be able to take down verbal answers and verbal questions rapidly in real time inaccurately. Which brings us to our third part of the explanation. Who asks the questions? The answer is the lawyers ask the questions. The lawyers take turns one at a time going through whatever list of questions that they can come up with, whatever other questions that they can come up with in the moment. And it's their job to frame those questions properly and not ask misleading, confusing, badly framed questions. Otherwise, you might hear somebody yell, objection, just kind of like on television or in the movies. Only because it's a deposition, there's no jury, there's no judge. It's a bit less dramatic, but if the question's not proper, that's one of the obligations that your lawyer might have to make sure that they note for the record that there was something improper or confusing about that question. People think, or they've heard somewhere along the way, that they're also supposed to keep their answers short and sweet. The reality is it really depends on the question. It depends on the answer, and it depends on what kind of a witness we're talking about. But those are definitely subjects that you or anybody else who is dealing with this situation want to discuss with your attorney. What kinds of questions will I be asked? What kinds of information am I supposed to offer up when I'm asked those questions? The simplest answer to that, of course, is the truth. But anytime anybody's answering a question, there could be five pages of a response, depending on what the question is. Usually that's not really what anybody's looking for. Again, the lawyer controls the deposition. The lawyer asks the questions. And now let's turn our attention to our fourth and last explanation of what is a deposition. Let's put it in context. How are these things actually used in the course of a case? Well, it's an opportunity for lawyers who represent the parties to the case to find out what that witness knows, to gather more information about the case to try to figure out, okay, if this is their testimony, let me lock this in. Let me make sure that this witness is going to say, if he or she believes that the light was green, we want to make it clear under oath that they saw the light as being green. 
Depositions are also used to just find information. Even though you generally might know what a witness is going to say, or you might have a police report, it's an important piece of the process. And you get to go over documents. If there's some kind of a report that someone prepared or an investigation that names somebody in there, this is the chance to ask them questions. Find out what they did. What was your role in this investigation? Who asked you these questions? When did you prepare this report? What were you looking at when you prepared the report? Did you have other documents at your disposal? Did you have other investigative materials? Who else did you talk to? It's really a preview of what somebody will eventually say at trial. And that's why it's so important. Because the more information you can gather at the beginning and the middle of a case during the discovery process, the more you know about the case, the more you know where it's going to go. And it's important to mention that you can have testimony at a trial where it's inconsistent with something that happened before the trial in a deposition. There's a big difference between trial testimony and deposition testimony, but that is the subject for another show. It's time for our closing argument. What is a deposition? It's a statement that's made outside of court, but it's a special kind of statement where the witness is under oath, they're gathered with all the lawyers who represent the different parties to a case. It's outside of court, there's no judge there, but there is a court reporter who's specially trained to take down everything that's said. And the questions are asked of the witness and the witness is supposed to answer those questions. And ultimately, it plays a key role in the development of the information and the facts and the circumstances of that case. It can actually lead to cases settling sometimes because information becomes clearer or the opposite. And it's just another step along the way towards your trial. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening to Coogan Knows the Law. This show is produced by Ear4 Audio. If you're looking to speak with somebody about producing your own show or have questions about making podcasts, check them out. Ear4 Audio.